Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. We're going to continue a sermon series that we began last week. And I think on the Facebook page, I said something like just, I think I said something like this, just when you thought Resurrection Sunday was over, right? Dun, dun, dun. Kind of like the big dramatic movie, uh, you know, previews or whatever. I don't know. We are, the reason we're jumping into this, guys, is because there's so much more to the story. Resurrection, the resurrected Jesus is what we're talking about tonight, or tonight, today, and last week, and we're going to talk about him more uh, this next week as well. The resurrected Jesus, because there is more to the story, guys, so much more to the story. The, the story of the resurrection, the empty tomb, all of that, that was truly just the beginning of so much. So much in the way of the birth of the church, yes, but so much more just in the way of he's alive. He's alive, and he was walking the earth in his resurrected body for 40 days, 40 days after uh, the, the empty tomb, the feast of first fruits, all of that, the crucifixion in the tomb, resurrected. Then he stayed on planet earth and walked around until he was taken and ascended into heaven himself. Guys, I'm telling you. From the day that he was resurrected in Nisan, I believe it was Nisan, the Hebrew month, 1732 AD, a period of 40 days began that would change the world forever. So I think we're remiss if we don't talk about it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. Let me say this, guys. A scripture that we're going to be going through today is uh, some Luke 24, John chapter 20, Okay, we're going to focus in there. There'll be an Acts chapter 1 briefly later on. But for the most part of our day, Luke 24, John chapter 20. So if you want to cheat and get ahead and find those in your Bible, we're a Bible-toting church, aren't we? Amen. Amen. But I want to start today with Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. We famously know this scene, don't we? We just... Resurrection Sunday, we were just visiting this scene. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he lay. The angels are speaking to the women at the tomb, the empty tomb. The first thing that I notice upon Jesus' resurrection, his apparently, apparently his not being in the tomb here, the first thing that I notice in this Matthew 28, verse 6, is this, that the angels... Here at the tomb, sure seemed eager to show evidence. Come see. They were eager to show the evidence, didn't they? Come and see. I don't care if you believe me. Have a look for yourself, in other words, they're saying. Angels throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, are known to be messengers. Think of uh, Gabriel, right? Gabriel uh, came, to, he came to Daniel, came to Mary. They're thought to be as, uh, they're messengers primarily. So we know that they were communicating only what God wanted them to communicate, right? Always. God wanted the women at the tomb to see the evidence for themselves. This is going to be a major theme for us today as we move through the scripture, okay? So keep this in mind. What was the first thing that happened at the empty tomb? The angel said, see for yourself. Or in other words, God told the angels to tell the women, see for yourself, all right? Um, we'll have a bit of a theme here. After this moment, there are 10 resurrection appearances that come to us through the scripture. 10 resurrection appearances of Jesus. Can we see that list? We've got Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene in John 20, to other women, uh, which we just mentioned in Matthew 28, to Peter in Luke 24, to the 10 disciples in Luke 24 and in John 20, then to 11 disciples, including Thomas in John 20, to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. We talked about that last week, didn't we? To the disciples in Galilee, to 500 people, 
to James, to the apostles, and finally to those who saw his ascension, okay? So we have this list. If you're somebody who likes to take notes or take pictures of things, just let me tell you, we're going to come back to this throughout the message today, through our study, even next week. Uh, We didn't have the graphics last week because of the computer crash, or you would have had this last week. But take a picture of it or write this down. We're going to move through some of these appearances, guys, because this is, these are appearances within that 40 days that truly changed the course of history, all right? So last week was the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. The appearance to Peter was briefly mentioned in the passage as well. This week, I want to pick up where we left off in Luke and then John 20 as well as we take a close look at his resurrected interactions with the disciples, let me do this. Let me, let me see a show of hands. How many in here have watched The Chosen TV show? Not everybody yet. I encourage you to watch that show. One of the coolest things about that show is it's the, about The Chosen, right? Well, The Chosen who? Well, The Chosen, the disciples, right? So, so much of that show focuses on those that Jesus chose to be his inner circle. So much of the relationship, we can learn so much and grow so much and gain so much insight to see how the human element really, in a tangible way, would have interacted with this man who was also God, right? So, if you've seen that show, if you've not, I encourage you to watch it. If you've seen that show, I want you to think of that today as we read through these interactions that Jesus is having with the disciples immediately after having been resurrected, all right? Luke chapter 24 is where we'll begin, and we'll read verse 36 through 43. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst, He said to them, peace to you. In other words, shalom in Hebrew. Rest, peace. Verse 37. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. I can imagine, can't you? Why are you troubled, he asked them. Well, maybe because you just appeared like a ghost here, right? We saw you crucified. Why are you troubled, he asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. It's as if, church, he's excited to show them. Look, why are you troubled? Look at me, look, look at my hands, look at my side, right? He's excited to to show them, and I'm, I'm sure that he is excited to show them because these are his friends, you've got to remember. He just spent the last three and a half years going everywhere with these guys, right? With these guys and and gals, Mary Magdalene included, right? But he wanted them to see what was happening. He wanted to share that with them. He says, touch touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you can see, I have. This really, truly speaks to the new transfigured body that we have to look forward to one day. You know, Paul tells us that in uh, the twinkling of an eye, right, we'll be with him in the clouds. And we'll be with him, we'll be as him, our bodies will be transfigured, he says, and we will be like him. Well, what's like him? Well, he's got bones, he's flesh, but at the same time, he can appear and disappear through walls, can't he? The tomb door rolled away, he wasn't in there, right? He wasn't like pushing the door back to get out. He was already gone. They were locked behind a door hiding uh, from the Romans, and all of a sudden Jesus appears in the middle of them, right? Yet he's still flesh and bone. So this is, this is interesting. He's physical, yet he's also multidimensional. He's able to be touched, yet able to vanish, walk through walls, uh, doors, tombs, yet he's able to eat as well. Verse 40, having said this, he showed them his hands and feet, but while they still were amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? (laughs) I love that. That's perfect. That's so something that any of us would do, right? We always love to laugh and talk about how many different times. Jesus, whenever he's hanging out with people, and he's teaching. What are they doing? They're eating. This guy loves to eat. What's the first thing that he's, we saw last week on the road to Emmaus? 
Hey, do you have anything to eat? They break bread together. He's always eating with people. He shows up here. I mean, I bet he's exhausted, right? I mean, he just did, you know, descended into hell, you know, he took the keys to hell, came back up, and he rose from the grave after the crucifixion. The guy's probably starving, right? I don't know. He says, do you have anything to eat? So verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. I love this guy. The best way to break an awkward silence is always just to ask for a sandwich, right? <laughs> but I get the most out of this passage uh, because he's eager to show them. What's the first thing that the angels did, right? Come see for yourselves. Come look. He's gone. Just like he said he would be gone. Don't forget, he told you this. He said he'd be gone, and he's gone. Come see. What's the first thing that Jesus did? He's eager to show them. Why? To help them with their doubts. This is the heart of Jesus, to help them with their doubts, to prove himself, to let them touch him even, extinguishing all doubt. In other words, see for yourself. The angels first say, see for yourself. What's Jesus say? See for yourself. John 20 records the same moment, and it also offers us some additional insight. So let's move over to John chapter 20. Can I, can I hear some Bible pages flipping? That's the best sound in the world, isn't it? Just relaxing, comforting. So John 20, let's see what else uh, the Lord has to show us. We're going to read verses 19 through 25. When it was evening, on that first day of the week, this is important, okay? I underline that here so we don't miss this. It's important. This is Sunday night, okay? This is still the Sunday night that he was, cru- he was resurrected from the grave. He's resurrected on a Sunday morning. And so still that same day, the, the two guys from the road to Emmaus, after Jesus revealed himself to them, they ran all the way back to where the disciples were, which was probably two, a two-hour-plus journey after dark already. There were two, uh, the two men from Emmaus are coming running in. It's on that first day of the week, and the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, again, how does he greet them? The same way he always greets us. When Jesus shows up in your life, what does he always bring? Peace. You cannot be mistaken. I'm telling you, if you're dealing with some high stress, you just take a step back and you say, Jesus, just be with me. Lord, I just need your presence right now. What what washes over you every time? I promise you, peace. You're struggling with some temptation? Uh, ask him to be in your presence, just to, just to come to you and be there. I promise you, his presence brings peace to whatever circumstance. So no surprise, he says, peace be with you, shalom, which means completeness, wholeness, and rest in Hebrew. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Again, he said, shalom, as the Father has sent me, now I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How cool is this? We have to keep in mind here, church, that this is prior to Acts chapter 2. The the famous Acts chapter 2, giving of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. We know all about that, don't we? This is prior to this, okay? The Holy Spirit is the power by which we operate in our personal ministries. We have to understand that. We have to understand that enough to lean on him and ask for him, ask for his wisdom, insight, strength, and all of it, and ask for the Holy Spirit to give us discernment, right? So what's the first thing that Jesus does when he's sending the disciples? He breathes on them, giving them the Holy Spirit. says, receive the Holy Spirit. All spiritual discernments, all stronghold breaking boldness, all knowledge that passes beyond understanding or courage in the face of this present darkness, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. 
It reminds me of another time that God breathed. God breathing throughout the Bible is uh, it's a thing. I don't know if you knew this. Genesis chapter 2, verse uh, 7 tells us about a time that God breathed on man. It reads, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. It brought him to life. The breath of God brought him new life. The pattern here suggests new life. As a matter of fact, Paul clarifies that for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 has always been one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How have things become new? What occurred in you that made you new? When you believed, your heart was sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. God breathes in you. Amen? I'm telling you, it is a powerful thing when God breathes into you. You'll never be the same. It is a whole new life. It makes me think of the story in Genesis chapter 17. I'm not going to, for time's sake, not going to dig into all that scripture this morning, but when God made covenant with Abraham, when God made covenant with Abraham, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Do you guys remember that? In that study, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations, right? I always love this because he changed his name before he ever had children, right? So uh, I've always heard a pastor say a long time ago, that must have been some scene when Abra Abraham was out working in the field and Sarah would have called out to him and said, Father of many nations, dinner is ready, come in. The neighbors must have thought that they were nuts, right? <laughs> you have no children. So in that sense, though, the Hebrew language is truly by nature prophetic in and of itself. It speaks things that are not as though they are, okay? And that's the language of God that can't be lost on us. Without any rabbit trails, though, uh, he changed the name of Abram to Abraham and his wife Sarai to Sarah. Then he goes on telling them about all the blessings that he's going to give them. There's a really cool type and shadow uh, life application stuff there that, that we'll do another message on some other time. But for today, it pertains to our subject matter in the coolest way. When God changed their names, he simply added one letter one letter to each of the spellings of each. The letter, uh, in, the letter was the Hebrew letter, hey. The letter hey, okay? Uh, any guesses to what that letter represents? You got it. You got it. Essentially, what happened? The hey? Spirit, breath. He breathed on them. He breathed on them is what he did. He breathed on them and it changed, changed them, changed their name, changed their destiny, church. Whew, I got chills. The man of faith that believed in Jesus before Jesus was ever born received the Holy Spirit and God changed his name to be evidence for us of it. For every future generation that would, would, that would read this word, he changed it, that we could see it in literally the spelling of his name. Hey, breath, spirit. When did he change his name? Uh, when he believed. God took Abraham outside and said, look at the stars of the heaven. What are the stars of the heaven? Well, at that time, it was the Maseroth, not the Zodiac that we know today. But in that Maseroth is a story of a virgin giving birth. The story was written in the stars, and he said, recount the stars, or in other words, retell the story of the heavens, if indeed you can still retell them. And in other words, he was promising him, through you will be the Messiah to restore all things. And Abraham believed him. He believed in Jesus thusly before Jesus was ever even there. And what happens when you believe in Jesus, whether before or after? God's breath seals your heart, and the Holy Spirit 
guarantees your inheritance. Amen? It's good stuff here. I hope you're enjoying it. God did a good job writing this out for us. Jesus breathed on the disciples. He's going to send you, but I'm not going to send you alone. What did he do? Breathed on them. Why? Because they needed that boldness, right? They needed that power. They needed that uh, discernment. They needed everything that the Holy Spirit still gives us today, church. Remember the context. What was he breathing on them for? What was he equipping them for? The sending. How cool is this? Let's read, keep reading. Verse 23. He went on to say then, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This verse 23 here, this is part of the commission of the sending. Jesus bestows upon them the power to offer forgiveness to those who believe and yes, to withhold from those that don't. But is it really the disciples that are withholding? Not so much, I think, as it is the fact that, look, you believe or you don't. And if you believe, hmm, your sins are forgiven. Verse 24, but Thomas, called twin, many Bibles say there, a lot of scholars believe because he actually had a twin brother, you know, um, quite possibly. But Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. Can you imagine? But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Wow. There's some serious, serious questioning there. I think many of us have been there ourselves. But God is so faithful. Why? Can I see that list of 10 appearances real quick? God is so faithful because he appeared, remember, to the disciples. But then what's the one right beneath it? The 10 disciples. He appeared to 11 disciples as well, including Thomas. Including Thomas. So let's read John 20, verse 26 through 31. A week later... A week later, his disciples were indoors again. And this is big now. Remember the state of Thomas's doubt? You guys are crazy, right? You've seen a ghost? I, I, would, I, don't, I can't believe it. Thomas was with them this time. So what do we see here? This is beautiful type and shadow. Again, throughout the word of God, what do we see? We see Jesus coming back for the one. He's already been there. He's already spoken to the disciples. He's already talked to them. Shouldn't Jesus being Jesus be within his rights to say, well, Thomas should just believe, right? I told them, remember the angel said he is risen like he said he would, so he told them that he would rise again, and now all his friends are telling him that he did rise again, but Thomas still isn't believing. The Lord should be within his rights to just say, forget about Thomas, right? Mm -mm. That's not our Lord. That's not Jesus. If you think that's Jesus, you don't know him. You don't know, you don't know the same guy I do. He comes back for the one. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, what did he say, church? Come on. Peace, Peace be with you. Shalom. Always his greeting. Always what he wants you to have in your hearts. He doesn't show up without saying peace. Why? Because he wants you to have it in your heart, in your home, in your life. Even if all hell is breaking loose in your life, which it certainly was for the disciples, they were hiding in fear of their lives for crying out loud, right? They'd just seen their Messiah murdered by the Jews and the Romans. I think that fits the description Yet still in the midst of that chaos, what does Jesus want them to have? Peace. Then he said, verse 27, then he said to Thomas, remember, he knew. He knew. He didn't wait. He, what I love about this scripture is he doesn't wait for Thomas to ask. He knew what was going on with Thomas. That's why he was there. That's why it's recorded. He wants you to know too. 
he goes to Thomas and says, put your finger here. Look at my hands. They're probably right here, right? Look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And I don't know how many of you have had a crisis of faith in your lives before. And out of that crisis of faith, there's anything but peace in your heart. Isn't that right? He wants you to have peace. That's his heart. He wants you to believe. He doesn't want us to be faithless, church. Do you feel in this text, do you be honest with me, do you feel Jesus' heart in this? In this moment, oh, church, I hope you do. Don't be faithless. Believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, he said. Mm. Thomas responded, my Lord, my God, verse 29, Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. Mm. This passage reminds me of Mark chapter 9. Remember this story, uh, the father of the demon-possessed boy, he goes to Jesus, says, please heal my boy. And what does he say to Jesus? He says, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. If that's you and you need to say that prayer, don't be ashamed and don't hide from it. Just pray that prayer because guess what? He wants to help you with your unbelief. He wants to help you with your questioning. He wants to help you with your doubting. Are we not picking up on that thing? What's the first thing that the angel said? Come see for yourself. What's the first thing that Jesus says? Come see for yourself. Touch my hands. Touch my side. See for yourself. This is, I'm telling you, every other world religion has a God figure, lowercase g, that you've got to prove yourself to them. But what does Jesus say? Let me prove it to you. Mm. The only one, church. Verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that, why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why are they written? Why did they write them down? As eyewitness testimony submitted before the court. Eyewitness testimony, introduced as evidence. Come and see, oh friends, he is eager to show you himself. Mm. Can I see that list of appearances, Bennett? Look at this last one on the list here. I want to mention this briefly. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 12. To those who saw his ascension, he appeared as well. Let's read that, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 11. While he was with them, he commanded them not to, to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, which was a baptism of repentance. We've talked about this a little bit, haven't we? What's repentance, guys? Metanio in the Greek, right? It doesn't mean to be sorry. You look up what repentance means in an English dictionary, and it will say to be really sorry, okay? That's not what the word repentance means in Greek. That's not what Paul meant here, or in he, what Paul meant in his writings. That's not what Luke means here. Repentance in the Greek means to change your mind. In other words, I didn't believe, now I do. And as I do, I see things in a completely new way. Now I see, I didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, now I believe in, uh, in Jesus as the Messiah. And my heart is sealed now with the promise of the Holy Spirit through the breathing of the Holy Spirit upon me, right? So, uh, but John, pre, uh, John, John baptized with water, a, 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 a baptism of repentance to change your mind in preparation. The Messiah hadn't come yet, but John was trying to ready the people of Israel for the Messiah to come. 
So John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. What is what does that mean, guys? This is the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is something that had never happened in the history of the world before. Okay? There are different times like that, that the Holy Spirit would come and, and bring a word to a prophet, right? The Holy Spirit would come and strengthen uh, different uh, people throughout the Old Testament. As far as the Holy Spirit showing up and staying, the theme is th- that we see throughout the Word of God is that only by faith does that happen. And it is the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Remember, that's what a lot of them were all about and what a lot of them were wanting from the beginning was to throw off the yoke of Rome and restore the kingdom, physical kingdom. It became a stumbling block for many. But they asked him outright. Finally, somebody said it, right? Wouldn't you? He said to them, verse 7, it it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Wow. You know, Side note here, there are, there are different theological movements today that say, you know, Paul is the only one who was ever sent to the Gentiles, and Peter was only sent to the Jews, and, and, and they, they turn it into a whole theology that can get pretty far out there and pretty far away from the simple beauty of, of the gospel, which is faith plus nothing equals salvation, okay? Um, I, this one verse here jumps out at me because I think in this one verse, we, we can see that Paul wasn't the only person who was called to preach to Gentiles, right? He tells the disciples, uh, to the ends of the earth, the ends of the earth, uh, you will be my witnesses, okay? Uh, case in point, case in point, Simon was crucified in Persia. Bartholomew, flayed to death by whip in Asia Minor. Thomas was stabbed by a spear in India. I think the Indian people were Gentiles, certainly, right? That's where these disciples went, to truly the ends of the earth, all of them carrying this message, this gospel, bearing witness to Jesus and who he was. Uh, Jude was crucified in Persia. Matthew was impaled in Ethiopia. You see what you guys have to look forward to? This is, our, this is our help wanted ad for Christendom, right? <laughs> help wanted. You'll be persecuted. Maybe even asked to lay your life down for the sake of Christ and the gospel. My goodness. It's a great marketing campaign, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Verse 9, let's keep reading. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching. I want to make a point about this, taken up. Uh, Put a pin in that. They were here, taken up as they were watching. And a cloud took him out of their sight. This is on the 40th day from uh, the Feast of First Fruits. While he was going up, while he was going up, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Is everybody ready for that, by the way? Yeah? I pray you are. If you're not, you know, you need only call his name. I think that when, when we see him coming in this fashion, it will be at the end of the tribulation period. Hopefully, we're coming with him, right? I want to be on the front end of that when we meet him in the air in the twinkling of an eye, which is rapid, which is quickly, right? Big difference. A lot of confusion on end-time prophecy stuff when you confuse, confuse the second coming of Christ 
with the rapture, the harpazo, the catching away. This word here uh, versus the word that Paul uses uh, when Paul tells us in Thessalonians that we'll be with him, we'll be snatched up, caught up in the air, rapturo in the Latin, right? It means a forcible catching away. This word in the Greek means just gradual. It means what it says. Like he was, imagine Jesus is there and he just starts to float, right? Until you can't see him anymore. It was gradual, okay? Uh, From here they go home to Jerusalem, to the Mount of Olives. In Acts chapter 1, verse 15, uh, numbers the disciples that witnessed this event at 120, which is significant. Uh, because if you see on our list that we've got going here, these 10 appearances, these 10 appearances uh, of the resurrected Jesus, it says, Paul says that 500 people saw him at once, right? Well, let's just take a look at that briefly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 8. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas Peter, then to the twelve, verse 6, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. You ever feel like you're born in the wrong era? I don't know. Let me tell you this. I believe that we're living in the end times, and it's no coincidence that every single one of you were born for this time to bear witness to the kingdom of God. Amen? Luke records... uh, Uh, Luke records 120 disciples in Acts, okay? But if they weren't counting the women and children, you know, it could have been the ascension that Paul is talking about here, right? Or it may have been simply another event that isn't otherwise recorded. Remember, we just said there are many other things that happened that weren't recorded. Even in John chapter 21, verse 25, quickly, uh, John writes, and there are also... Many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. But don't let that manner of ascension be lost on you guys. Don't let that be lost on you. The word taken up, harpazo, different, snatch, rapture, suddenly, this was a gradual ascent. A gradual Ascent while they were watching, it says, okay? It implies that it was gradual. So why? So as many as possible could see. And it worked. It worked. We know that the people of that day had seen enough. They weren't buying the fake news reports. There was fake news even then. They weren't buying the fake news reports that Jesus' body had actually been stolen, no. Jesus wanted to show his people who he was and what he had done for them, and so he did, and so they saw. We see this in Josephus' quote we read last week. Let's read it again. Josephus, secular historian of the time, Hebrew historian of the time, wrote about this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he wrought surprising feats. He was the Christ. When Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day he appeared restored to life, and the tribe of Christians has not disappeared. So even secular history records it. They didn't believe the fake news lie that was being spread. No, no, no. They believed in Jesus' resurrection. And the tribe of Christians has not disappeared. Well, we're still here, right? I'd like to say the tribe of Christians has not disappeared yet, right? We'll get there. We'll get there. But now today, the Word of God, church, even today, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, declare it. The Holy Spirit that can live in you confirms and speaks this truth. Acts chapter 2. Can I see this next? I've got three. I'm going to give you three quick verses on the same tile so we can move through them. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of, this, of your sins. And you will receive. You will receive. It's not optional. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When? When you believe. When you repent. When you change your mind. When you go from not believing to believing. Your heart is sealed and you receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In him, you also were what? Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth. When? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed. What is that gospel of your salvation? Faith plus nothing equals salvation. It is by faith that you are saved. When Abraham believed, God breathed. When you believed, God breathed. He breathed on them. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit is even trying to show you the evidence even the Holy Spirit provides that. The angels show up. They say, evidence, come and see. Jesus shows up and says, look at my hands, come and see. See for yourself. The Holy Spirit shows up and says, see for yourself. Hmm. The Holy Spirit testifies to the resurrection, to new life. It wants to make a powerful new creation out of every single one of you. Mm. That'll preach. So where is your evidence? Where is your evidence? Self-evaluation time, huh? Application point time. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues, all right? That's not what I'm talking about for evidence, okay? The Spirit testifies by the fruits of the Spirit. Do they bear witness to the love, to the joy, to the hope and salvation that only Jesus Christ can give? Does your fruit bear witness to that? Ask yourself that. Does it bear witness to that in your home, to your wife, to your kids? Does it bear witness to that in your place of work, in your realm of influence? The Spirit testifies by fruits of the Spirit. Are you holding the Holy Spirit back in some way? Remember, He wants to make you a powerful new creation. Is that happening in your life? Have you believed? Have you believed? And if you've believed, if that's not happening, why is that not happening, church? If that's not happening, it's only because you're holding yourself back. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, what, what, three main points we accomplished today. Can I see this next tile? What did we see? We saw these three things happen. Eager to show evidence. Eager to show evidence were the angels. Eager to show evidence was Jesus. Eager to show evidence is the Holy Spirit. And you know how he shows it? Through you, in you. He's, you know what? The Holy Spirit is eager to show you evidence. He wants to prove it to you. But then you know what? He wants to use you to prove it to other people. Come and see. Look for yourself. God is so good. Remember Thomas. I, I tell you what, Thomas is lucky. If it was me... I might not have made a special trip. I don't know. <laughs> Told you I was going to do it, Thomas. I don't know why you ran to get milk when I was going to show up. But you missed me. Now you expect me to come all the way back here a week later, right? He's lucky as Jesus. You know, I tell you, I always love to say, you know, the, a lot of the people in my life are, are lucky that it's Jesus is operating in me the way that he does, right? We used to have... Uh, um, a joke, a running joke. Uh, you know, 
you know, running a church can be stressful, you know? I don't know if you knew that, but especially if you're planning big events. And a lot of times in that stress can pile on, you know, it can get to be a bit much. My wife, Amber, used to have this little saying when she'd kind of reach a certain point of stressing out, she would just say, activate Jesus, activate Jesus. I'm pushing that activate Jesus button, right? It's a good thing we have that button, because, but that he is so good. Mm. Thomas, well, I would have to see it for myself. I would put my hand in the scars, or I will never believe. Jesus is like, all right. How's Monday good for you or Sunday? <laughs> I'll be back in a week. When God is eager to show you something, aren't you eager to see what it is? Hmm? Yeah. Have you ever looked for yourself? Have you ever looked for yourself? Oh, the things that Jesus wants to show you, church. He'll prove it to you. I promise he will. I promise. Put it to him. Put it to him. You will see with spirit eyes, church, if you'll just open them. We are as one looking through a glass dimly right now. But one day, oh, we will see in full. Amen? What Sending application, closing application, self-examination question for you here today. What is the Holy Spirit trying to show you that you are unwilling to see? Is there something? Is there anything? There are some things, church. God knows this. We just spent the last 40 minutes talking about it, didn't we? God knows that there are some things that you just have to see for yourself. He's not judging you for that. Look what he did for Thomas. He'll do it for you. You've got to see some things for yourself, but you know what? You've got to be willing to open your eyes. You've got to be willing to let him prove it to you and to show you. Whatever that is that's holding you back, I implore you to let go of it. Embrace change. Don't run from it. Don't deny it. Look for yourself and come and see. And we'll close here this morning, church. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I hope I've effectively communicated the heart of Jesus this morning. That's my, if I, want, if I accomplish one thing, that's what I want to do. I hope you see his heart on full display in the scriptures that we have read this morning. I hope you see how eager he is to have your trust. At the end of the day, that's what this is all about. At the end of the day, Every day you wake up and take another breath, it's just another opportunity to trust Jesus. And that's all he wants from you. We say, faith, what is faith? Well, faith is trust. We say this all the time. Well, you know, I, the, the chair is in here. You know, you're sitting in a chair. You've got to have a lot of faith that it's going to hold us, Right? You can say you believe it'll hold you, but you're not really putting any faith in it until you try to sit in it, right? That's what Jesus wants from you. He wants you to rest in him. What does he say? Shalom, shalom, shalom. The presence of Jesus, every time he steps in the door of your heart, he brings peace, he speaks it. He wants you to have it in your heart. He wants you to have it in, his, in your home. Trust. And he's willing to help you get there. He knows you've been hurt. He knows the duress that you've been under. He didn't judge Thomas for that, and he's not judging you for that. But when he says, come and see, when he lays his hand out before you and says, put your hand into the scars, You've got to take his hand, church. You've got to be willing to see some things. You've got to be willing to see him. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you here this morning, you need to let go of some things. Maybe you need to stop running from some things. Maybe you just need his peace in your home, in your heart. 
that's you, I want you to lay that down and I want you to give it to Jesus this morning. He's seated with his father right now. I want you to lay it down at the foot of the throne. Just raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Jesus, you are so good. Thank you for your kindness, for your favor, your patience with us, Lord. If you're here this morning, and maybe you've been running and you want to stop running, maybe you, maybe you believed or you believed, but you've, not, you've been running away from Jesus, not towards Jesus. And because of it, your life is a whirlwind because you've sowed the wind and you want to press back into him and you want to recommit to that this morning and to him. Or maybe it's for the first time ever. Either way, just raise your hand right now. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Jesus, you're so good. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know, the angels, the Word of God tells us that the angels have a party in heaven every time one comes into the fold or back into the fold, like the prodigal son. Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. He's coming back just for Thomas. He's not leaving you. He's coming back just for you. That's his love for you. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness, Lord. See the hearts of your people this morning, Lord, and come to them. Help them with their unbelief. Help them with their doubt. Help them with their discouragement, Lord. Oh, Lord, breathe on your people this morning. Breathe into them, Lord Jesus. Equip them, enable them for the calling and the commission that you've given them as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're saying that prayer of recommittal, or maybe for the first time, putting your trust in Jesus for your eternity, we're going to say this as a church out loud, so you're not saying it alone, but I want you to say this, especially if that's you. Let's say it together, church. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you paid it all. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. And because you live, I have new life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, you are a new creation, and he has breathed new life into you. Now go with that new life and bear witness to him what he has done already and what he is doing and what he will do. Amen, church? May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour favor out on your lives. May you be blessed as you go. May he walk before you, behind you, beside you. May you prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, we love you guys. Thank you.